So it's kind of fitting that we land here because uh, Paul's writing a letter to the Galatians and he actually is concluding his letter in this section. So it's like his, the conclusion of his letter is the conclusion of our series, which uh, sometimes when I do a wrap up, I kind of go back and kind of try to hit high points in the series or kind of look through that. Uh, not going to do that today because of the nature of this text. Paul's actually wrapping up the letter in a particular way. So I want to wrap up the series today the same way that Paul wraps up his letter. And this, this kind of conclusion can seem a little disjointed, but I want to help you see the framework that's here that actually propels us forward in following Jesus. So that's, that's kind of the goal for, for today. So let me read the text, and then I'll give you the main idea um, for today, for this text, and then we'll move into that framework. So I'm reading uh, English Standard, starting in verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So, just kind of a quick reading of the text lets you in on, uh, repeated in this text is that whole circumcision idea, right? And we said at the very beginning of this study that circumcision is going to float all through Galatians because that is that was what they were dealing with at the time. We called that redemptive historical context, right? So you're kind of taking this idea, like where were they at in redemption's history? Why was circumcision such a big deal? And it had to do with the fact that the Jews, who were God's people, uh, were identified as God's people through circumcision. But now all of a sudden in the New Testament, this mystery that Paul lays out is that now you don't have to be a Jew to be God's people. You can be God's people no matter what ethnicity you are, no matter where you were born or what your skin color is or what kind of person you are, right? Which is super good news, which makes the gospel incredible. So now what marked off God's people before, does that still mark off God's people? And if so, what does that mean? And so that's the tension in which Galatians unfolds and which Paul is writing. So it's fitting that he lands on circumcision then so heavily because that was the evidence that they were relying on external identifiers to say who was the people of God. So for us, you know, we've said this multiple times throughout the series, like circumcision, okay, that's, hey, weird to talk about and weird to think about, and that's not something we struggle with. Why? Because we're not in the same redemptive historical context, right? We're thousands of years later. We're not dealing with that same issue. So how in the world do you read a text like this and say, Okay, what does this have to do with me? Okay, so I said this way back in in the intro. Circumcision wasn't actually the issue, right? It was just the fruit of the root issue. 
So once we unpack that, we begin to see kind of how this lands on us. So here's my main idea for you today uh, from this text. And I would encourage you to write this down if you can. <clears throat> the Christian life is cross-centered, not self-centered. Christian life is cross-centered, not self-centered. And we'll, we'll unpack this today. Um, I want to give you kind of like a succinct way to summarize Galatians in your mind. Uh, to kind of like move forward with this. So the idea here is really that there's two ways to live. You're either oriented around yourself or you're oriented around God. That's really the only options. Uh, and all of us are born oriented around ourselves. That's not something that we have to like, okay, we're neutral until we pick one. Right? We're all oriented around ourselves. So being oriented around God is this idea of being cross-centered. It's like being oriented around the gospel. So who God is and what he's done is shorthand for the gospel, right? So and it's all around the work of Christ, which is the cross. Paul does this all through his letters. He sums up uh, kind of like the gospel with the cross. Um, say this a lot when we, when we end communion, uh, that uh, even as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, we proclaim his resurrection too, but shorthand is just cross, death, right? Work of Christ. So the problem... I was trying to think about this in a way that, that, would, that would land. So, so track with me if you can here. The problem that Paul has been addressing in Galatians is that you have cross-centered people living like self-centered people. Because self-centered people convinced them that being cross-centered actually meant being self-centered. I'm going to say that again. All right? You have here cross-centered people living like self-centered people. Okay, we got that. Because there are self-centered people, these Judaizers, focusing on circumcision, ultimately focusing on themselves, convincing the cross-centered people that actually you should be self-centered. What? <laughs> that sounds like some kind of sorcery. They were really saying justification by faith alone in Christ alone is not sufficient. You need to help God. Which is why, if you were here for chapter 3, there's some kind of sorcery going on. Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What wizardry are you believing? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, by hearing with faith, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? My attempt at explaining that the cross-centered and self-centered dynamic was to help you see Paul's like, this is... This is foolish. Like, who's duping you? Why are you saying that being self-centered is being cross-centered? Why are you saying that orienting around yourself and your preferences is actually being a Christian? <laughs> it's foolishness. 
But isn't this us, though? Watch. We have been justified. Okay, so if you're a Christian, if you've turned from your sin and trusted in Christ alone for salvation, you've been justified. You've been declared righteous before God based on the work of Christ and your faith in that work. Right? You have God views you legally as righteous. He takes Christ's righteousness and gives it to you, not just takes your sin away. Right? So we have been justified. That is, that is present reality for the Christian. We will be glorified. Eventually, we're going to be with the king. Eventually, we're going to be perfected. Eventually, we're not going to struggle with sin anymore. We're going to actually be in the presence of God, where we will be completely oriented around him. But, in the middle, in between those two things, our present status and our future glorification, we still act like self-centered people. That's... It's that sanctification idea. That's the, the, the Christian life, right? And this really is the essence of the Christian life, is this middle space, because that's where we live. That's the everyday. Doesn't change our justification. We're still declared righteous. Doesn't change our glorification. We will be glorified. But we don't live in just longing for the future and just dwelling on what has happened to us. We live every day, right now, how do I make the choice to interact lovingly with my wife? How do I respond well when my coworkers just drive me crazy? What about when something happens that I just completely don't agree with? How do I respond? What's going on in my heart? That's where we live. <laughs> Right? That's where the self-centeredness comes to the surface. That's where uh, whether we're oriented around ourselves or around Jesus is going to come to the surface. So, acting like self-centered people, like really Paul's whole point in Galatians is saying that's, that's opposite of the gospel. You can't live that way and claim Christ. You can't be okay with living that way and say, yeah, I'm, I'm following Jesus. So really the, the rhythms of the Christian life are lived in this middle space. The rhythms of the Christian life we've talked about a lot in here is repentance and faith, right? So we're turning from being oriented around ourselves, turning to being oriented around God and the gospel. That's, that's where we live. That, that's the rhythms of our life. So, we are cross-centered people that often act like self-centered people. Okay? The wording of that is key because acting like a self-centered person doesn't change the fact that you are cross-centered. Okay? It doesn't change the fact that you've been justified. It doesn't change the fact that God has saved you. What it does do is mean you're living inconsistently with that reality. When you and I orient around ourselves, we live inconsistent with our identity, who we are. We're cross-centered people. We're Christians. It doesn't make any sense that we would live otherwise. So, <clears throat> the contrast here, as you can see, uh, is between self-centered people and cross-centered people. So, Paul's conclusion here in Galatians is, is kind of his final words to them saying, you've got to make sure you're centered on the right thing. You've got to make sure you remember who you are. 
and he does it by contrasting these two groups. So I've got some, some characteristics for you uh, for each, self-centered people and cross-centered people. Um, so as we talk through these, um, what I'm trying to do is not land on these in detail, but to kind of help you evaluate a little bit. I've got a lot of questions for you um, just to kind of think through. Uh, chances are they're not all going to hit with you. Don't try to like answer them all. Uh, maybe one of them pops out to you as something that you're currently working through or forgetting. Um, so self-centered people, four things. They try to impress others with their works. Uh, they prioritize comfort by focusing on their works. They hypocritically use their works. And then they boast in their works. All right? You might be like, okay, that seems a little abstract. Um, so we'll try to bring some... Uh, to that by showing you in the text where that is and then connecting that to us. So self-centered people uh, try to impress others with their works, prioritize comfort by focusing on their works, hypocritically use their works, and then boast in their works. And, I, and I'll have these up here again. Uh, and I'm going to put the text next to these so you'll, you'll see them connected. So if you didn't get them all written down, they'll be up on the screen again. Uh, Cross-centered people boast only in God's work, are freed by God's work, are satisfied with God's work, and then live by God's work. All right, so it's not hard to see that self-centered people focus on what they do and cross-centered people focus on what God does. It's like, is it my work or is it God's work? It doesn't mean my work is insignificant. It doesn't mean the things that we do don't matter. The things that we do don't drive who we are. And as soon as we think they do, then we've got the gospel backwards. We, we miss justification and sanctification connection. So I'll have these up here again as well um, when we get to that point in the text. So one note on verse 11. Uh, it's a little bit goofy, I think. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Uh, that reminds me of like what a kindergartner would do, like come up to you and like with like really large letters on a paper and be like, look at the letters I made. Like, why does Paul say this? Okay, Paul's not a kindergartner, obviously. Uh, I don't think he has an issue writing. Uh, he obviously, uh, he's, he's not, um, I don't think it's particularly like that he's writing large letters. Uh, what would have happened when Paul wrote often is he wrote via some kind of secretary. Um, so he would dictate what he wanted to say, and that person would write it down. And a, lot, a lot of times what he would do is he would kind of sign it personally. So he'd write a little spiel at the end, and he would, like, this is Paul's writing. So, like, you would actually see a shift in the manuscript, much like you would say, like, uh, your handwriting differs from someone else. So you would have visibly seen a shift when you got to this point in the letter, the Galatians would have. They would have seen Paul now writing emphasizing something here at the end. Kind of like last words, I'm going to sign this, but I'm not just going to sign it, I'm going to tell you something as I end the letter. And that's, that is what he's doing here. So it like gives weight to this. It gives apostolic credibility, right? So it wasn't just like, oh yeah, we heard this was from Paul. Like, no, look, Paul actually signed it, and he told us something specifically at the end. Not that the rest of the letter wasn't from him, it was, but... He could have easily dictated this rest to, to the scribe as well and then just signed his name, right? But he didn't. So it's kind of like, okay, that clues us into 
This is Paul's way of summarizing what he said in the letter, which, which, is, which is pretty cool. So uh, let's look at these two chunks um, and help you see the, the connections here. This is verse 12 to 13. Uh, and here is the same four points that I put up there before about self-centered people. So look at the text and see how these are connected. Uh, so self-centered people try to impress others with their works. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. Those who are focusing on what you're doing and what they want you to do are doing that to look good to other people, to impress other people. Secondly, prioritize comfort by focusing on their works. Look at that next phrase. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Paul's saying that the motivation for these folks, these Judaizers, focusing on circumcision was so that they could avoid persecution from the people that said, hey, you've got to be circumcised to be a Christian. Which is like the gospel leads us into suffering, Right? Instead of, let's just try to fly under the radar and try to avoid any conflict. Let's just, I mean, whatever. Like, let's just let's do the circumcision thing because that's easy. Then we know. Thirdly, hypocritically use their works. Verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Even the ones who are pushing this external obedience aren't really caring about that in all of life. They're just selective to particular things. It's like, well, we ignore the law over here, but over here we're going to say, you got to do this. So that hypocrisy of uh, focus around their own works. And then that final point, boast in their own works. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Read that as they desire to make disciples of themselves not disciples of Jesus. They desire to be people who say, look what I did, rather than look what God has done. That is where the self-centeredness culminates. Look at me and what I've done. Look at all this gospel work that I've done. Not what God has done. So a few questions flown from this, and I said I have a lot, so I kind of tagged a couple of questions with each one of those. So um, if you want these questions, I can give them to you after the fact, uh, but let them just kind of sit on you. I don't know which one the Spirit's going to use in your heart, um, but be open to that. Who are you trying to impress? Whose approval are you seeking? What's more important to you, your comfort by flying under the radar or sharing in the sufferings of Christ by standing boldly? Do you hold others to a standard that you don't live to? Do you overemphasize one thing at the expense of other things?
Are you making disciples of your version of Christianity? Or are you making disciples of Jesus? So this is a handful of questions to kind of help us evaluate. Are we living like we're self-centered? Are we living like self-centered people? There might be some flags here for us, kind of as we contemplate. How actually are we living? So that takes us to our next section of text, which is cross-centered people. Paul uses himself here as the example. So put these four back up on the screen. These are the four characteristics here of those that are cross-centered. Boast only in God's work, number one. So verse 14 is kind of like a synopsis of the Christian life. It's kind of like shorthand for what it means to be a Christian. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul is contrasting those who boast in their work with those who boast in God's work. Those who are cross-centered are going to be tempted to boast in their work. You're going to fight that battle. But ultimately, you're going to land on realizing that the only thing I can boast about, point to, glorify, is not myself but God's work. So number two, freed by God's work. Check out that next phrase. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's Paul's way of saying, you can throw whatever you want at me, it doesn't matter. I'm dead to that. Why? Because I've been crucified with Christ. It's through Him that I live now. Remember that back in Galatians 2? by which the world has been crucified to me is another way of saying I don't have to be captive to what other people think of me. Freed by God's work. Number three, satisfied with God's work. He kind of like rounds out the argument of Galatians, I think, with verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. The answer to combating the problem of circumcision wasn't to trumpet uncircumcision. It wasn't the pendulum swing. It was the new creation, which only God can make new creations. Right? Only God can transform hearts. So Paul's saying, circumcision, not circumcision, that's not where you hang your hat. You hang your hat on your justification on the fact that you're a new creation in Christ. You can't boast about that. (laughs) You can't drum up the new creation on your own. Paul's going to say in Ephesians 2, it's God's work so that no one can boast about it. And what's happening in Galatians is they're boasting about it, like as if it's their work. And then that fourth thing, cross-centered people live by God's work. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, it's praying for that, and upon the Israel of God. Find it, just the way Paul writes, all this stuff in Galatians about the law. Right? The law has a purpose, yes, but that purpose is to point us to Christ. All this stuff about the law 
and he lands on, you want to talk law, here's your law. Here's your rule. Here's your principle. This is how cross-centered people live. They walk like the new creation is what matters most. When he says this rule, he's pointing to verse 15. So, some questions to land on here. What do you boast in? What do you love? If you're not sure, what do you talk about the most? What do you find yourself thinking about all the time? Do you live as if you are still held captive to pleasing others? Do you realize that being cross-centered means the world holds no power over you? I guess I should show you that. Do you realize that all of the allure and temptation that we face actually doesn't have power over us? And every time we give into it, we act like it does. And we diminish the power of God. Do you believe that God's work needs nothing added to it? Are you satisfied with God's new creation work in you? External obedience does not fuel inward transformation. Other way around. God doesn't need help to save you. And then the last question here. Are you stopping at all to check your heart for selfishness? This is one of my constant prayers. Guard my heart from selfishness. Guard my heart from pride. I know the draw of boasting about my own works. If I had to guess, I bet you know that draw too. Part of stopping to check your heart for selfishness is praying for God to reveal it to you. What is the pattern of your life? Is it fear of man? Or is it trust in God? Again, just pick one of these. You know, work through it. So we'll land here. I've just got a couple of minutes here, a couple of slides. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And I don't have time to unpack all the nuances of this text, and that's not really the point of what we're doing today. But I wanted to draw the connection for you between what he says at the beginning of the letter and what he says at the end of the letter. In verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A densely packed theological letter. And then he lands on grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. He's just finished talking about flesh and spirit in chapter 5. And now he says, grace be with your spirit. So the Christian life begins with grace. 
It ends with grace, and it's sustained by grace. So that when we get caught up in living like we're self-centered, God is calling us back to living like we're cross-centered. He's not like, well, I'm done with you. You keep going down that path. He lovingly calls us back because he's gracious. So the way that we stop acting like self-centered people is by remembering that we're cross-centered people. Remember? This is about who God is and what he does. Not about who you are and what you do. The Christian life is cross-centered, not self-centered. And I want to leave you with the same thing that Paul leaves the Galatians with. Ringing in your ears. Because it can be easy to stop or come away from something like this and feel the weight of the struggle. But what I want to ring in your ears is the grace that is present in the struggle. God is present with us in the self-centered struggle. He is calling us graciously, lovingly back. So Paul lands in verse 18 and says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters, I'm going to add. Because Paul meant that. Amen.